0: Hello, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to this Deep South Dharma podcast. I'm calling this episode, This is What We've Practiced for. And it is a somewhat last minute re-recording of this week's podcast, because so many announcements and plans have shifted or changed shape or been completely turned upside down. And so I want to fill you in on those. One is that the retreat that was planned for next weekend with Flowering Lotus Meditation is occurring in a completely different form and way. I will be doing an online offering of a sort of a mini retreat on Saturday, March 21st from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. So adjust for your time zone. And I'll be doing it on Zoom. It's a uh, completely donation based, so um, anyone who would like to join us via Zoom is welcome to join us. Um, I believe that many of the people that were, that already had that weekend set aside for practice, that were coming to, uh, that had made plans to come to the retreat, we had a full retreat that we had to let go of. And I believe many of those folks are going to join us plus some other folks that were not going to be able to join us for that retreat. So always reasons to be grateful that we'll get to see some folks that we were not would not have been able to see the other way. So the link to that retreat can be found on the deepsouthdharma.org website. You'll scroll down and it and it says it, it talks about the online retreat. It's right in the middle of the page and you'll just click through On the 21st again at 10 a.m. Central. So I really hope you'll consider joining us. You may feel ready for some practice and to see some different faces uh, about a week from now and we will be glad to see your faces. And then the other announcement that I want to make is that as far as our local Oxford Mississippi practice group, um, so we'll have the 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 three-hour retreat online retreat on the 21st and then in the following weeks beginning march 28th our normal one-hour group meeting will occur online also that is a different zoom link but also on the website at deepsouthdharma.org so you'll be able to go pick it up from there so join us on the 21st for a longer retreat and then on, in the weeks following, joining us on the uh, beginning, March 28th, uh, from 10 to 11. That, is, for right now, we're thinking in terms of meeting online each Saturday um, to the end of April. And we'll either shorten or lengthen those arrangements based on, based on the guidance we receive so I think that's, that, that's enough announcements, enough changes uh, to announce for now. So we'll shift into gear with our topic and um, have a moment together to contemplate this is what we've practiced for. For anyone listening at a future time, I'll let you know that this podcast is being released on, or this episode is being released on Sunday, March 15th of 2020. So this is the Sunday after um, various late night shows did their monologues to auditoriums that were mostly empty, filled with staffers where many, many school districts across the United States uh, extended their spring breaks indefinitely um, or extended spring break for an extra week while they prepare online resources to finish out the school year at the university level and other levels of education. So just to give you that context. So the talk or the topic consideration this evening is this is what we've practiced for. And I say that because um, not because when we come into Dharma practice, we generally are not coming thinking, okay, I want to go into a practice situation so that I can be ready for, you know, the scariest thing I can imagine, but rather we come into dharma practice seeking freedom from some degree of suffering now, whether it's a lot or a little at any given time we're seeking to know how to handle how to handle things better to put it over simply and as we get into our practice we come to learn that a large part of what develops our confidence the kind of confidence that allows us to have peace of mind, even during quote-unquote normal times, is a sense that we have some guides for our choices, um, even when times are hard. So I think, for instance, about how wise livelihood is really up for people right now even among people who have never heard that phrase wise livelihood those who've practiced buddhism for a while or just have studied a little are aware that wise livelihood is one aspect one of the eight aspects of the eightfold noble path and has to do not only with how we make a living but how we spend our lives and so um, as people are taking a look at really sort of gearing things down. Um, there's a lot of talk about social distancing. Really, it's more a matter of physical distancing. In some ways, there's a lot of social stuff happening, um, of course. But but what we're talking about right now is physical distancing, just, just allowing the... Uh, put, as much as possible, putting the brakes on the transmission of the virus since it's been developing among us undetected for a while. And those of us that live in the poorer states um, are, have been the slowest um, to begin to get tested. So, um, so we, we don't know yet the, the full story but what we do know is that things are rapidly changing and so these actions that we're taking in the culture today are an effort to just at least slow things down, slow down the transmission so that we don't overwhelm our systems for um, dealing with the sick and the dying. The issue is not our human fragility. The fact is We've always been fragile. What is different for us at this time is that our awareness of our fragility is is so much stronger um, in the culture overall than typical. But if you have been practicing uh, Buddhism or contemplative practice of any particular stripe, religious or non-religious, you have been involved in a practice that has allowed you to if not be comfortable with at least make, make peace with the fact that our human existence is very fragile. And our interconnection with other human beings and other living beings and other countries that this interconnection is so vital and so undeniable. And it is astonishing watching how much this world is one organism. And those of us that have worked to see that for a while can see it with less of a sense of shock, um, but no less a sense of the seriousness For many people, there will be greater difficulty. But then for many people during this time, this time of being at home more than usual or working from home or slowing things down or having to make decisions about, um, you know, eating at home more to reduce contact with viruses spinning around out there, all of this will end up for some people to be a time where they begin to make some adjustments in their lives that prove greatly beneficial from here on out. I don't think any of us will be the same. And for some of us, that that will be in very difficult ways due to loss of loved ones, loss of life. And for many other people, We won't be the same in the sense of this particular crisis allowing us to see reality in a way that we normally don't see it. Our need to protect vulnerable people and how that actually is not just altruism, it's just good common sense that if we want to protect ourselves as human organisms, we better be protecting everybody and taking care of everybody. Um, finding a way to do things as sort of the the whole human tribe, so to speak. So all of that being said, I want to offer a particular practice. Um, some of you will be familiar with it, but maybe you haven't thought of it in a while. Some of you might not be familiar with it. And um, it's called the Five Reflections. And um, I'm offering a bit of a paraphrasing um, for students hopefully, greater understanding. The five reflections are, one, it's natural for me to age. I have not gone beyond aging, meaning I am not some being that has somehow escaped this realm in which we age. Two, it's only natural that I get sick sometimes. I have not gone beyond sickness. Um, And this, you know, in, our, in Western culture in particular, our, our extreme belief and our powers of control over circumstances keep us really um, in danger and keep us really in a state of constant anxiety because what we want to believe about ourselves is so at odds with reality that there's this constant battle going on deep, deep, deep within us. So this is just an example of why contemplating the five reflections regularly helps resolve some of those conflicts, helps us let go of the delusions of control so that we can base our peace of mind on the bedrock of truth. So it's natural for me to age. It's natural for me to get sick sometimes. Thirdly, it's only natural that I will die. And none of us has total control over when that happens. There are many things that we can do to give ourselves the best possible chance for a long life. And yet, all of life, one of my teachers says that all of life is a study in our limits, knowing how much power we do have and then, running into the lim- our own personal limits and the limits of systems, you know, that sort of thing. So I can't control the where or when completely. It is only natural that I will die. Fourth, everyone and everything I love in this world is temporary. So a classic way to say it is that everyone and everything I love, I will be separated from or will be separated from me. And this is not meant as a teaching to cause us to <laughs> develop some dismissive attachment style and, um, and try to, to shut down our need to be in relationship to other people. But what it can do is allow us to develop a less selfish type of love for others, a type where we can show up fully with as much goodwill, as much compassion, as much appreciation as we can develop over many years of practice. Um, And with those three divine qualities of heart, then also, to develop the divine quality of being able to let go when it's time to let go, so to be able to be fully present with those we love while we have them, and also ready to let go when we must let go. So everyone and everything I love in the world is temporary, and I'll repeat. I'll repeat these in a bit without all the commentary if you're wanting to write them down. Five, my actions are my only possessions. So what this means is I can train my actions to be beneficial, even in situations where I have little control. But it also, to say my actions are my possessions, yes, so actions including... My intentional, volitional thoughts, the thoughts I choose to cultivate and hang on to, um, that I choose to reinforce and deepen. That's a powerful action. Um, I'm not responsible for every thought that arises, but I am responsible for the thoughts that i that I choose to cultivate and I choose to reinforce. So, and um, behaviors being the more typical way we think of the word actions, but, Actions include thought, speech, and behavior. And another aspect of my actions are my only possessions is the fact that the effects of my actions will outlast me. And that is absolutely true for everyone. Whatever actions have been beneficial or unbeneficial, the ripple effects of those, whether large or small, will be our continuation. Um, so, again, I'm going to give you the short version now. One, it's natural for me to age. Two, it's natural that I get sick sometimes. Three, it's natural that I will die, and I don't know when that will be. Four, everyone and everything I love in this world is temporary and will be separated from me at some point. Five, my actions, are my only possessions. The effects of my actions will outlast me. I can train my actions to be beneficial, even in situations where I have little control. So if you are giving yourself more time for practice and consideration, and let me just say, Some people may find this time of self-quarantines and shutdowns and working from home and all of that, some people may find that they are able to give more time to formal meditation practice, meaning you're sitting down in a room somewhere or in your yard, you're sitting somewhere deliberately not engaging with the outside world as much for a period of, you know, several minutes to many minutes. But for some people, having everybody home means that there may be either less time for formal meditation, or you're going to have to get more creative to practice formal meditation in a way that is not selfish. And so what I mean by that is, You know, if we're used to having some of our family out of the house at a certain time of day before we practice, it may be that if everybody's going to be home for a while, for us to feel ready to deal with being with everybody all day, we may need to get up just a little bit earlier to give ourselves a few minutes. Um, And it's one of those things where even though it may feel like a drag to get up a little earlier, it is the biggest gift we can give ourselves Um, to sort of feel more ready for the day and to sort of um, plant our intentions for the day, Um, our intentions for those qualities that we want to practice of goodwill, compassion, appreciation, and a willingness to to let go. Um, So just understanding that whatever your situation is, You don't need to be judging yourself for whatever ways you work out for practicing. Formal meditation practice is only one piece of your spiritual development. It's an exponentially important piece, but it is only one piece of it. The rest of it is in actually practicing caring for yourself and the people that you love cleaning the surfaces of your home and allowing that to be a sacred act of caring for yourself and your loved ones. Something I want to say about this topic of letting go, because many people have had to let go of so many things, not only in the very serious realm of health and life, But also those things that, you know, when it has come down to this level of crisis, those things that haven't, that have been rendered optional, things that maybe used to didn't seem optional, maybe it used to not seem optional to have a ball game with the kids every weekend or to have the end of school year parties or the all of the various rites of passages that normally would be going on at this time of year, we're having to let go of a lot of things. And so recognizing that some of the things that we let go of are a relief for us. Some of the things that people are letting go of, there's there's some grief with that. And, and just allowing what I would suggest that instead of identifying with your grief and compounding it or making the other flip side mistake of compounding it by trying to deny it or trying to say, oh, but, you know, my situation is, you know, other people's situation is so much worse. Well, I mean, that may be true. But that's not, is, that's not what's helpful for helping you process grief. Whatever it is that you're having to let go of, really useful to pay attention when you're sitting, even if it's just for a few minutes, to how that feels in your body. And as you get in touch with your body, you are likely to notice, too, the grief that you are feeling on behalf of other people. So rather than getting into comparing your grief to that of other people, allowing yourself to offer compassion both for the big, what you consider the big griefs and the little griefs, um, but just allowing them to be side by side in you. There's room for it. And as much as possible, allowing yourself to be focused on the, the appreciation that you have. The ability that you have to be of service to others in a time that can be very fearful, one of the greatest shortcuts through fear is to be aware of ways that you can be of service to others. And, you know, being of service may not be going out and delivering food. It may be, but maybe you are in in your own immunocompromised position and you don't need to be going out to do that. So, you know, maybe you can write somebody a nice long letter that would love to hear from you while they're homebound for the next couple of weeks. You know, finding ways to be with others, to connect with others in different ways um, is and to be deliberate about it and knowing that your presence to others matters and is nourishing during a time where everybody's needing a bit of extra nourishment to get through a hard time. So that's enough for me for now. Thanks for showing up with your support and your listening and your comments and input. I welcome all of it. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle. a reminder and an expression of gratitude. The Deep South Dharma podcast is supported not by any commercial endeavors, but by the generosity of some of its listeners. People are generous in listening to the podcast, in sharing it with friends, in offering me feedback or topics that you would like to have discussed or your questions. And people also have been supporting us through Anchor.fm, which allows you to do that at the level of $0.99 a month or $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month. So if that's something that you would like to participate in, go to anchor.fm slash deepsouthdharma slash support. You'll be supporting and inspiring me and also allowing me to devote a little more time to the development of the podcast And in general, I just want to thank you for your practice, which is good for you, for the world, and leads to peace. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always... Feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.